2: Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello. Can you believe it? We're all together in a podcast setting over Zoom. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the last time we've done a podcast. Can't remember the last time we've done one as a trio it all seems so vague now. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> uh, how How have you been, Paul? I've been all right. I mean, it's you're asking
3: me a few days after we've won 4-1 away from home in the league. So I'm good in a okay, context of... You, you want to go guess. straight
2: in with the football, sure. Dave? No, it does affect
3: my mood a lot more than it did under... The previous ownership I think now
2: Yeah, it was pretty uh, it was a pretty enjoyable Saturday afternoon watching that with our, our VPNs and our, our VPNs <laughs> and our
0: subscriptions <laughs> Well I didn't get to watch it until after I got back from the football because I oh, went yeah. I, I took my three year old boy uh, to Stockport versus Walsall at Edgeley Park and for for 75 minutes he had a wonderful old time, and then he got too restless, and he was just calling all over the place, so we left. He got to see the team in blue win one nil. Um, he did keep saying, "I want the blue ones to score. I don't want the black ones to score." Right. So I kept having to like <laughs> loudly talk over him and say, "The ones in black, no, we don't want the ones in black to score." Um, but it was good. it was fun. He enjoyed it. He was awesome. shouting, come on Stockport County, very loudly with his little... Five friend. minutes with a three-year-old is very successful. Yeah. I, I, I definitely couldn't have done it without um, cocaine. No, I definitely couldn't have done it without um, another dad and his three-year-old lad who's friends with mine. Right. Because um, <clears throat> they entertain each other. It was nice. No, it was really, really good fun. Um, My son... Uh,
2: had football training today and last Tuesday. And from what he's told me so far, he's had two weeks of football training so far. And uh, he's following in my school footballing career, it seems, because so far from what I can glean, he hasn't uh, kicked the ball yet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Do you ever have the sort of daydream fantasy of getting involved in their coaching and being so good at coaching that you... Progress all the way up the ladder into <laughs> Premier League football management.
2: I haven't, but I, oh, I it's will a good know. One. If
3: you're struggling yeah. to sleep, just think, just think about the whole pyramid.
2: Sure, I mean it's possible. I can see Toby,
3: you're going to be a false
0: nine. <laughs> Right. Um, I was just going to yeah. say that we're, we're dead keen for our little lad to get into some kind of sport, and I am very much pushing the football angle, but because of where we live, my wife is very much pushing the, well, what about tennis? What about cricket? Or What about lacrosse? It's like, oh, for yeah. fuck's sake, no, football. Make a lot more money if you're good at football.
2: Well, let's kind of in, into a financial pressure.
0: Are you fucking kidding me? If you've seen the state of the economy, it's 100% about...
2: Yeah, it's our only chance is... If... <laughs> it's my think boy... The problem is you're in Lancashire.
3: If you were in Yorkshire, he could happily talk about not wanting the black ones to win in cricket <laughs> and it would be encouraged.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know enough about that situation to comment. Uh, well... Well, I know all about racism in Yorkshire, but not not specifically about cricket.
3: Get off the fence, Dave. Pick a side.
2: <laughs> well, on Saturday, the the black ones one, which is to say, the black and whites, which is to say, that's their home kit, but they weren't wearing it on the day. But which is to say, is to say that's my link. Uh, so <laughs> seamless. Uh, yes, I mean. There's been a couple of games since we last spoke. There was the Bournemouth game, which was 1-1, which I don't know about you guys, but I felt like after quite a long period of... But as it stood uh, before Saturday in the Fulham game, we had 1-1 game. When people, were, when people were trying to say that the season's going quite well, people would say, we've only lo- lost one game. And when people were trying to say the season's going quite badly... They would say we've only won one game, and the rest had been all draws. And uh, the Bournemouth one-one at home felt to me like the first draw that didn't really. We didn't have any excuses. There were no bad refereeing decisions, from what I can remember. Mm. It was just quite an underwhelming performance. Is that how it you remi-
3: remember? It reminded me of um, remember Underparju when we played. I think it was Brendan Rodgers' Swansea at the time. Swansea Mm -hmm. had all the possession and just didn't look like scoring. I think there was some Swansea fans at the time just saying, we've been found out here. And we felt like that. We just, there was very little in the way of end product. It was, I think a lot of our kind of front, what would you call it, five or six were just very frustrating and out of ideas but I think that's what we're going to face more now because teams like Bournemouth are going to come to St James's Park and just put all their men behind the ball and play on the counter, and it's not Shh. a new problem. We've not been good at breaking teams down for, I would say, at least a decade. Sure,
0: i th- I think that I think the big difference is though and it's, we can come on to it when we, when we talk about the Fulham game, but the, the things that we were lacking in the Bournemouth game were an experienced Premier League striker, uh, a difference maker on the flanks, and, and a fully fit Bruno stringing the passes together. Mm. And so we were getting in decent positions against Bournemouth but the the forward line just wasn't making the right movement at the time or and they weren't getting the runners from midfield um to be found so like it was a frustrating game the the Bournemouth one but to go to fergus's earlier point about like it was a bad start, start versus a good start for me this season's going to be a transitional one and as long as we're hitting like about 45 points I'm I'm fine with that because the performances have been good. The we've been just lacking that like final ball or that final person to put it in the, the back of the net and we've got them coming back from injury so it's not like we're going to have to wait until January to get them. So the Bournemouth game yes it was frustrating but Isaac scored we could have won it. We did have opportunities and their keeper was on fire so Good. Let's talk about
2: the Fulham game because that's more fun and it's certainly fresher in my memory mm-hmm. uh, Paul you watched it
3: Yeah, it was it's hard to know how convincing a win it was just because of how early the sending off was but I think Fulham I didn't have high hopes going into this game just because of how well Fulham have started and the Mitrovic factor but we, we were all over them, I think there are far less well-defensively drilled team than Bournemouth. I think our midfield as well, there's a, I think if you look at our midfield, the three of them, I don't think if we're trying to break teams down, we can afford to play Willock and Joel Linton together. I think they're both perfectly suited to counter-attacking against bigger teams and running with the ball, but there's no, there's no kind of craft there, no ingenuity. It's all... It's all kind of box-to-box running, whereas I think Longstaff made a bit of a difference and Bruno having that extra game back from injury looked that much sharper.
0: I thought Willock had quite a good game. But, um... Yeah, I was going to say Willock... No, two... had a
3: good game against Fulham, but I'm saying, like, I think as a team, Joel Linton and Willock are both really ideally suited to counter-attacking. I don't think you can have... I think if you have both of them in your midfield three, it's harder to break teams down when they've got a low block because you're having to thread passes through little gaps. I think Longstaff's better suited to that than either of those two. I think mm. there was five minutes in the second half where Willett looked like Pele, <laughs> who was just sort of <laughs> running through players. You just kind of think... It's the shape, Him and Longstaff, they both have those moments where they look amazing, but I don't know if it's possibly an age thing. They just seem... Unable to find it consistently
0: yeah there was there was a couple of pods ago where I think you were asking where's the where's the Joe Willick that put like scored seven in a row? I think we're starting to see i mean not that good, but we're starting to see the best version of Joe Willick reemerge mm. like the runs he was making against Fulham. Yes, it was impressive that he was going past player but for me it was more about the timing of it. And the the positions he was taking, because I might be misremembering, because I had it on like I, I watched it again, like uh, you know the whole match again, and I, I I I'm sure there were a couple of occasions where had Fraser or Murphy not touched the ball, Joe Willett would have been clean through.
3: And yeah, there was phrases disallowed. They, Fraser's disallowed goal, where him and Joe Willock were basically next to each other, but Fraser was offside. Mm. And, just... and Willock,
0: sorry, Willock was going to score until Wilson put it away. And I, I think, I think Willock had a really good game. Well, I, mean, I think he had a good game. I think I don't know if that was his header. I'm not sure if it was
3: going in. It was a pretty poor header by the standards. But I think you're right. The posi- to get in the position for that, he's definitely looking more of an attacking threat. I think he definitely had a good game against Fulham. I think it's more about the balance of that midfield when we need to break teams down. I prefer having Longstaff and Bruno, or Shelby and Bruno. Hmm.
2: We've touched on it a little, but it it was, you'd have to say, uh, the the main event in the game was the red card that Fulham got very, very early on, which Hmm. makes it a very difficult, match to to have a fair full assessment of where we are right it's just it is what it is um quick question i'll ask both of you dave first was it a red card for you
0: on the red side of orange yeah paul
3: probably again i don't really know So it's that pressure to have a definitive answer when Why
2: are you on a football podcast yeah. then? Yeah. Or, I don't know. You don't know about football. Why are you on a football podcast? I
3: I have heard convincing arguments for both sides. And I haven't got I'm not gonna bring in the, the insight into which is right. So well, I'm just I'm gonna, gonna stay about, in my
2: lane and say I'm glad. I'm not. just gonna talk about like I talk about everything just with vibes, just vibes, but yeah. for me, cause I guess cause I guess I am a true sort of like man
0: <laughs> Hang on, from, hang on I'm going to yeah. sit forward for this one, go on yep. or, Because yeah. I
2: am a, a true sort of man's man from another era Yeah, sure <laughs> Yeah, For me, that's not a red, But genuinely, yeah. because of the football that I grew up watching And because of how I you played the game I guess as well Because of how I played the game, not touching the ball but kicking
0: people <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that if that tackle had happened without VAR, it's a yellow. I think if that tackle had happened ten years ago, it's a yellow. But it was dangerous. It was standing foot. It stood were up. I don't it think. I
2: don't
0: think it's a bad decision or anything. I just, you know, you know it I think it's have have a
2: long that. way away from what I see. Like. You know, if it was higher, then that's a total red. But I'm like, nice.
3: Yeah. We have seen that exact same tackle from Fabian Cher a few times on opposition players, and it's not resulted in a red.
0: But I think once
3: once it goes to VAR, it has to be a red.
0: Yeah. But that's, I think, one of the big things with VAR is that they freeze the frame. And any tackle looks bad when you've, freeze the frame even tackles where it's you know he's got the ball it, it still looks bad because of the mm. frame they've frozen on honestly I, i've seen him given is the only way i can respond to that and we got one this time what was interesting is that fulham didn't then uh, sit in a low block and just try and cling on desperately they 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 were so easy to play through. So easy. We played well, but they didn't make it particularly hard for us.
3: No, I don't think they've really got that in their wheelhouse, though, if you look at how they started the season. I think you Mm. compare them, looking back to the Bournemouth game again, is it O'Neill, their manager? Gary O'Neill. They are already suddenly very well-drilled Bournemouth. Fulham, Mm. I don't think Fulham are defensively well-drilled in any way. I don't think Silver's teams ever are. They're well, are for-
2: the sort of club that, like, talk about their philosophy. <laughs> like, well-drilled defensive teams don't talk about their philosophy. No. You did hear Sean Dyche talking about his philosophy.
0: <laughs> um, I do think they were missing that Paulina. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he was a big miss. And obviously Mitrovic went off after about what, 35 minutes? I think mean, that was a big miss for them. But even before the, the red card, we'd already had a couple of opportunities and um, Wilson yep. had hit the post. So
2: <laughs> Without I the still, red card, I, I still would have made us favourites to win that game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wilson uh, came back for the first time in five games and 11 minutes in scored a goal. That was nice, wasn't it,
0: Dave? I I'm excited to see him... Like I'm excited to see him playing on the same pitch as Saint Maximum, Isaac, Bruno, that those that like trippier, that that supply line for someone like Callum Wilson, who will get you, I don't know, one in two, one in three. It's just that he never stays fit. Well, um,
2: seeing as you say that, we're going to have a break. But I'm going to ask you. I'm going to read you a question from Twitter, and you can think about it over the break. Uh, Jake Sampson says, "How do you fit Isak and Wilson in the same team, or do you?" Now I know you're chomping at the bit to answer that, but we're going to have a break, and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. I'm still here with Paul Doolan and Dave Watson. Now, if you were with us for the the first part, then you will remember that I left you on quite the cliffhanger. It was a message from Jake Sampson. He said, how do you fit Isak and Wilson in the same team? Or do you? Paul, what do you think? Well, at the moment... Fate
3: seems to be intervening to not make that a problem with neither of them being fit at the same time. I think there'll be... I mean, with Callum Wilson's injury record, what we've got with Isaac that's useful is someone who can play in exactly that same role and challenge him as well as playing out wide. I think probably if all our players are fit, which I'm not sure will happen this season, the front three... It's probably guaranteed to be Maxi on the left, Wilson up front, and then either Izak or Almiron on the right. I think that's how you fit him in. I think he can play out wide.
2: Makes sense to me, but Almiron, Dave, is, I mean, after Saturday, is he undroppable? Is he the best player in the Premier League now? Jack it's Grealish Jack will be continuing his words. So yeah. <laughs> um
0: I, th- I think that I think we're in the, the fortunate position where we could make changes to our first eleven, depending on who we're facing, um, to pose different problems to them. And I think that having Isak out wider, um, rather than in the centre, could certainly him and him and Alan St. maximum running out players, running at the defence, moving into the pockets. Yeah it's it's a threat, especially when you've got Callum Wilson occupying them. Yeah, so you could do that. You can also play with, like, say, for example, that we do come up against a low block with a physical team. It might be worth playing um, Isaac and St. Maximum as almost like a interchangeable front two and resting Callum Wilson until later in the game. And that, that that would then, like, draw... Defenders out. It would occupy oh, the centre midfielders and pull pull that team that that organised shape, that organised low block, pull them around, make them cause, make them make mistakes. Um, so I think we've got good options. So yeah, you could play them both, You could play them independent of each other. We've got some radical ideas there.
3: But you know. I worry that Chris Woods listening to this bit, being like, "Oh, you're going to get a mention." They're on about the forward <laughs> options. <laughs>
0: Sorry, we can't, what what that. I do think is interesting is will be in January because I do think we'll try and strengthen again where we strengthen because if we go off and sign like um, like James Madison for example I don't think we will but if we go off and try and get him and the shows we're trying to fill that right hand side which is where I would automatically put Isaac if you were playing a front three yeah does that make sense so. I don't know. Be interesting to see what I think we is, buy
2: Harland. Why don't we buy Harland?
0: Buy Harland.
3: Not? But I think as well, if you have a front three that includes St. Maximin and Wilson, it's it's quite rare, I think, the number of times both of them are fit to start. So I think hmm. I think Isaac yeah. in his first season will get plenty of starts without necessarily being first choice in that front three.
2: Yeah, it may well be a problem that doesn't arise all that much. Um, But we should talk about Almiron, and we should particularly talk about his... uh, Well, he scored two goals, but his volley. Where do you rank that volley, Dave, in the up there with the best goals in the Premier League era for Newcastle? Is it top 10?
0: No. You don't think it's top 10? No. No. And the, the the reason I've got is fucking stupid. But the reason I've got is because aesthetically it isn't as nice as some goals that have been scored, which required less skill. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, I think that's stupid. legitimate.
0: So what he did, unbelievable talent, but I'd much prefer... Shit, do you remember? Denver Barr scored one where Kabai, like uh, Kabayo Toyote, strung a long pass. Barr ran onto it, came over his shoulder, and he finished it with his stronger foot when he was in the center of the goal. And it was just a great goal. That looked fucking beautiful. Right. S- Almiron's, because it was like tighter, a tighter angle, there wasn't a hang in the air as he like. Deftly lobbed it over. It was just a good finish.
2: And because, because it was slightly obscured by other defenders around. It wasn't as I do it wasn't as pretty. It wasn't a prettier picture. I do understand what you're getting at. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, uh Shearer's volley versus not versus Everton, his his one versus uh Villa. Yeah. Oh, Earlier, yeah. not too sort of dissimilar. side foot volley. But yeah, was, he, he did it differently, but it was from a not too dissimilar angle. Mm-hmm. I thought it was as good as that, but maybe didn't look as pretty for the reasons it just said. But, with I, that, I, I, yeah. but you know, the, the technique to do that with the outside of the... I mean, he was always going to hit it with left.
3: It was interesting. It's bad. quite hard to see. First time, I wasn't really sure how he'd scored. I don't know if yeah. you saw the, the club Twitter account put a video out showing it from every angle.
2: Yeah, it was about mm-hmm. four minutes
3: <laughs> But the longer you watch that the better the finish looks and the better the assist from Bruno looks. I thought it was a really good finish. There's the movement of his left leg, I think elevates it aesthetically to sort of being up there with some of Lauren Robert's pile drivers. It's there's a weird flick and it it sort of looks like he's got three knees in his left leg. It's sort (laughs) of like Meccano leg, just a really weird whip and a flourish to it. And, I think it's one of those goals that I've not seen from another player, which I think raises it, like yeah. the sort of thunder bastards from outside the box. We've seen plenty of those.
2: Hmm. He is like Almeron. He's, I think, he's got three goals this yeah. season in the league. He scored a lot in pre-season, and he's mm-hmm. managed to continue that into the league. He's, I think we've we've only played eight games so far. The frustrations. The same frustrations are there. It was getting mentioned a lot about him being on the right and being so dependent on his left that, that he's not putting the ball in. But this is probably his best period of form for us, would you say?
0: Yeah. He's I has quite a while. I would wonder if the absence of St. Maximum is, is benefiting him. Right. Because... He he's more he's more likely to receive the ball than than Murphy or Fraser is. Um but he's certainly less likely than St. Maximum is. I think he and Gumierish and Trippier on the right have a really good understanding of when to make the runs, when to take like when to be the third point of the triangle and stuff like that. I think those two have got those three have got a really good understanding. I like him. He works really fucking hard. He's scored a couple of outstanding goals but the amount of times he gets into a good position and then just rolls it back to Trippier or the amount of times where he just fails to put in a cross when it, it seems it seems like the easiest fucking thing in the world to do I I think this, this right now is his peak
3: Yeah, he was very frustrated against Bournemouth because it was just that thing of checking inside onto his left foot and you know he's going to do that. But there's been plenty of great players in the Premier League who have been one-footed and you know what they're going to do. But it's like like Robin. still doesn't mean you can stop them doing it. And it feels like he's now... He's finding a bit of end product as well as all the defensive endeavour. I think he's crucial to our pressing system. Uh, He's such Mm -hmm. a good presser. And I think that thing... I think he's been a bit unlucky before with previous personnel and the previous manager. And I think he's always made intelligent runs, but he's been offside a lot because nobody's found the pass to him quickly enough or no one's read what he's going to do. But I think Bruno and him seem to have that sort of innate understanding.
2: He's a different player, but um, he can, He does remind me a bit of Perez. in that Yeah. Sport. Um, mm-hmm. Never lacks for effort. Kind of, you know, a little little guy running a lot, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, who's unpopular with a big section of the fan base yeah. sometimes for making sort of what seem like basic mistakes. But we've, we've criticized him as well.
2: Like, I could see it. I could see it turning uh, mm. if you weren't going through this period of form. I could see it turning, but I think in general he's well liked by the fans because of the <laughs> cheeky little face. I think because of his face, yeah. Because of his, like, way past his bedtime face. If, <laughs> like he...
3: if he looked moody, I think we'd have sold him by now.
0: <laughs> but did you see, even when he had a goal chalked off for offside against Fulham, which would have completed his hat-trick, he was still smiling? Yeah. Like if
2: that, it, I if, think if... he smiles like, um, I mean, I'm getting psychological now, but, you know, <laughs> bring it. Ronaldinho always used to smile.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I saw an interview with him once, him saying he's always angry on the pitch. You know, would like, it's anger that drives him. And the smile is like, you know, Jose Mourinho, when he's at his angriest, he smiles because it's mm. that wry smile.
0: Like, I'm going to fucking get you for that. Yeah. Like, almost enjoying the opportunity to rub it in your face later.
2: Well, I don't know. It's that. I think it's like... Marino's smile it's a ride like this country kind of smile I think I
3: think it's a very intense smile. I think we've hit the nail on the head on here before when we said, it's the smile of someone who wants to start a fire right. <laughs>
2: um and uh, to my surprise, Jacob Murphy got a start, yeah, that's in. An- didn't see him on the cards uh I would have thought there'd be other people further ahead of him in the queue I've through for the last couple of years I've probably been possibly outside his family his greatest (laughs) defender (laughs) (laughs) I've always I always had high hopes for Jacob Murphy because I always felt like he made things happen but uh it rarely does produce a final result, does it?
3: He had a fairly decent game, I thought. Uh, he's getting a lot of game time. Eddie Howe clearly rates him, so he must be doing something right in training. I thought he had a good game, but there was a moment, I think I said on the WhatsApp, in the first half, he managed to dribble the ball off himself and then fall over on his arse at one point, which was it, was it was almost as impressive as when Joe Linton shot and hit his own face.
0: I think his current form is playing himself into a move to a newly promoted Premier League side next season.
2: I think he's he's a shoo for Forest in January. Yeah. <laughs> I could see him coming oh, yeah. up with Norwich.
0: Mm. I, like he's he's a nice guy uh, by all accounts, and he's a Newcastle fan and has been from his from his childhood. But I just. I think he, alongside, you know, Fraser and uh, Almirón, uh, these are players that we're going to leave in the the background pretty quickly. Okay, I'm going to go to social media now. Oh, go on.
2: I've got. Um, I'm going to a couple of questions. I'm going to ask together. Um, Tyne Thames says. Uh, Fernandez just said our first trophy could come sooner than we all reckon. Of oh, Fernandez. Which Fernandez?
3: Federico Fernandez? Federico. Why are you going around telling everyone about when the trophies are coming? <laughs> Here.
2: Here, right? <laughs> Who's trawling through Freder- Federico Fernandez interviews? Kid, come on so That in. must be, where's that? I'm pretty sure he wasn't on Graham Norton on Friday But <laughs> <laughs> so where no, was that? Where? That would be quite a fuck up of a booking. Um, and Tony <laughs> James says, I have to give an answer. <laughs> He says, How far will we go in cup competitions this season? And at the same time, I'll say, Phil Huntsman says, Would you rather Newcastle finish in the top six or England win the World Cup? I think
3: I would rather top six. Dave? I don't really care about international football that much.
0: Yeah. I, I think the type of people who would be celebrating the most after an England win are the type of people I want to be miserable for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and plus fucking, no, of course I want Newcastle to do better. I'm, I'm a Geordie, not an Englishman.
2: Right. Well, i um... For me, it would be by a long way England winning the World Cup because I'm like, I mean, I understand Paul. Paul uh, supports Scotland more than England anyway, right? So it's a bit different for him. And like, I understand you, Dave. You see it differently. But I've seen Newcastle finish top six like loads of times. <laughs> it's like, just be like, oh right, okay, top six. Oh, that's good. We've had a good season. I've never seen England win the World Cup. I think that would be fun. Yeah, but England win the World Cup. sure you have a good day out. I've never seen a team... Sorry, say that again.
3: England win the World Cup. You have a good day. Newcastle get top six. That's Europa League. We could be going to Frankfurt. We could be going to Mulder.
0: (laughs) And also, put it this way, say England were to get to the World Cup final and lose... I could have a good day out in Ireland, Wales, Scotland, pretty much any other any other of the United Kingdom um, territories.
2: What? And if England win the World Cup, you you will never be able to go outside of England again.
0: No, my my point is that the celebrations for England winning the World Cup in England would be matched by the the celebrations for them not winning in those yeah, other I'm territories. With, I'm with Dave here.
3: The England fans make it fine with me when England lose. It's yeah. always like,
2: there's always a silver lining to whatever. I understand. The... I understand what you mean about that. But like, I have, and I, I think it's the same for both of you. I have never seen a football team that I support lift a trophy.
0: No. Uh, do you not That's remember? The... The, oh no, the Intertoto uh... Cup. Oh, right.
2: Lift Inter-toto. a trophy after a match that was...
0: Playing for that fucking trophy. The championship. Championship. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, what was that? What was that um, trophy we won where the trophy was just a fucking bridge and Colaccini held it up? Oh, I don't know. That was... I'm
3: guessing a pre-season one.
2: Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean.
3: Yeah.
2: I'd like to see a team I support win
0: something. So would yeah. I.
3: But if Newcastle finished top six the next season, they could win the Europa League.
0: Which means they would get into the Champions League, right? We've been in... This is the, That's the other thing that I don't like about
2: modern football. This is what I don't like about modern football. Is There's so much talk, and we're going to get into it now with top six, but there's like teams like Arsenal and Chelsea and Spurs for a whole season they're talking about are we going to get top 4 are we going to get top 4 and then it's like and they're like celebrating wildly that they got top 4 it's not a trophy it's just top 4 it oh, i don't i mean it means something it but means so in the championship my country my country finishing yeah. the world cup
3: i don't know how you've turned into Roy Keane but also been <laughs> vehemently pro english <laughs> it's just, it's not a trophy was, it's, a, it's not a trophy
0: so put it, put it a different way. Would I rather finish top six or win the League Cup? I'd rather win the League Cup.
2: Right. Yeah. What about finish us finish top six or England win the League Cup? I just like England
3: games uh, I'm indifferent to. I just like the hype of a tournament. And that's yeah. sort of good if England do well, but I'm not that
0: fussed. When it comes to international football, I just want um, the migrant workers to get home safe.
2: Oh God, here he comes, Mister Mister Woke Newcastle United fan. Mister, when we had a podcast to talk about the takeover, okay, that's done now. Can we never talk about it again? All right, let's go to the next question. John M says, how likely is it will overcome that awful phenomenon of mid-table sides having good managers slash players leaving for better opportunities, thinking about how an England, Bruno and every team in the world, etc. Do you think that's going to be a problem, us being seen as a sort of stepping stone for our, our very best?
0: No, I don't think that's a, that's going to be a massive issue. There, there will be times where... Real Madrid, Man City or whoever come in and take one of our better players but no Where the thing that's most attractive to footballers is, is like when the club is sold as planning to do better to get into Europa League to get into the Champions League to challenge for the title and the owners of this club want us to be huge they want us to be challenging for the title so the ambitions there the money's going to be there. The other players are going to be there. So no, I don't think we're going to be a stepping stone in the same way as Southampton, Leicester, Aston Villa, all of that lot. No. Yeah. The other side to that, I mean, some of the, it
2: would depend on their age and stuff. But for some of the players, I mean, how long is that? How long before we're actually winning a title?
3: Yeah, it if depends how quickly we
2: grow as a time. club.
3: I think because mm-hmm. we we can't match the wages of the top Premier League clubs or top European clubs. And if we finish sort of eighth, but Sven Botman has an amazing season, Real Madrid come in and say, do you want to triple your wages and win a league? Then any sure. footballer would go for that. But I think we're not in the but, position... What's better used than to.
2: top six. That's better than winning
0: the World Cup.
3: <laughs> but I think we're not in the position we were with players like Kabay, where it's, you know they're going to go. Yeah.
0: They're not. They're not jo- like new players to Newcastle United aren't joining us because they can play a couple of seasons here and then be guaranteed to move to Arsenal. They're joining us to do something with us.
2: Yeah, I said that. Yeah.
3: yeah. Like, Plus, I think genuinely... the injection of money and facilities off the field means it's not. It's not going to be like Brighton, where for like off-field things, moving clubs are a better opportunity. Mm.
2: I should have asked this question when we actually talked about it, but um, so we won't go on particularly much more about it, about it. But John Tilly says, "Is Miggy good? Feels like he's improved so much this season, but is he good enough to be in a Europa League competing starting eleven? He's so hard not to love. It's really hard to judge." I think there was a really good. Do you follow? Is it YI Scout?
3: Yeah, on Twitter, he did a really good piece before the Fulham game on the improvements Almiron's made under Howe, which is quite interesting. He is he's getting more touches in the box now. And he is more of an attacking threat. I think the talent's always been there, but the problem's been he's been a number 10 who's never been played as a number 10 for us. But hmm. it feels like work has gone on in the training ground to actually acclimatise him to playing as a right forward rather than just play him there and hope he learns how to do it?
0: Yeah, John Tilly's question was, is he good enough for Europa League chasing? Yeah. Yes, he is.
2: So uh, our next game is at home against Brentford on Saturday. What do you think? Where are Brentford at at the minute? They're sort of like...
3: They feel like they're drawing a lot. They feel very similar to Bournemouth.
2: Or us. Yeah. True. They have, of course, got Ivan Tony. They are. Oh, we're seventh, and Brentford are tenth.
0: They're only a point behind us. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we're at
0: home. That's got to count for something, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think not only are we at home, but uh, if I've if what I've read is true, then St. Maximum is edging closer to fitness and he might be, because he was like 50-50 for the Fulham game, so he might be like 75-25 for the Brentford game. Um, I, after, after that win against Fulham, because it was so dominant, um, I, I fancy us to, to step it up against Brentford. We might only well, win like 2-1. I
2: have sent off five minutes in.
0: We'd already hit the bar by that point and the way that we carved through them, I don't think that was entirely down to them being bad and down to 10 men. I think that was because we played really well and we have got the talent in, you know, Willock, St. Max, uh, Willock, Gumieris and all the rest of it to get through teams like Brentford, Fulham and all the rest of it like the Stodge in the middle of the Premier League I think we've got the place to get through them now and our defence is decent so
2: yeah How long is Isak out for? Is it...
0: uh,
3: well he could be back at the weekend they're not sure
2: So we could see the Isak Wilson some maximum question I don't
3: think Almiron will get dropped after Fulham yeah. No, I
2: like that.
0: Do you want to give us a score prediction, lads? I'm gonna go 2-0. Mm. I reckon Wilson Brace 2-0. Mm.
3: I would feel a lot more confident if we were playing away. This sort of feels like it's gonna be Bournemouth all over again, but with a much better striker and a much more dangerous counterattack. I'm gonna go one all.
0: I was gonna go one one. Just very, just very game quickly, game. Yes, it is. yeah. It's just that Brentford don't have a particularly good defense.
3: So, uh, they drew, who did uh, they draw uh, nil nil against at the weekend?
0: Uh,
3: the Wolves, or, or?
0: Mm, who did they draw? Bournemouth. They drew nil nil with uh, Bournemouth. Okay.
2: Well, take from that what you will. And uh, there's no point really predicting anything because what'll be will be. Am I right, guys?
3: Someone's control. Control I mean, control someone's yes. I mean... Someone's taken the England firework out of his ass. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's got, he's, got to take him. he's got to be on the plane. He's got
3: to be on the plane. I'm sorry, but Southgate is just oh. he's not an England manager. He's just not. I think he- that's what annoys me more as well. I'm so fed up of hearing about England by the time England get to a tournament, and they're just ungrateful to be there.
2: Mm. Like,
3: I mean, yeah. Compare I think- it to Scotland, where you're just like, there's no expectation on us to win. And are mm. just glad to be there.
2: I hate England chat it's like our last two tournaments we've got to a final and a semi-final the World Cup and the yeah. Euros it's like easily the best two tournaments <laughs> of my life watching England but like tell that to
3: think, Danny Baker yeah
2: but any, you would think that it's like an absolute dis- it's like the same yeah. level of uh, this is a disgrace chat as when we lost to Iceland it's like, yeah <sighs> Some people just don't want to be happy. They just don't want to be happy. Exactly. I I, am one of them. Okay. Uh, Well, we'll leave that there. Oh, by the way, buy my book. You probably haven't made it to the end of the podcast because I uh, tailed off and got quite boring. But um, my book (laughs) came out today. It's called Murder at Crime Man. I buy it. I have bought it. Dave's bought it. Got the last one for free. Yeah, I've got the right. audio book.
0: Fucking help, Fergus. <laughs>
2: well,
0: give you, what's it selling for right now on Amazon? The old book. Whatever it... Well, I don't know. I don't know, about eight quid. My son needs new shoes, Dave. I'll fucking
2: PayPal you eight quid, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. We'll get, we'll I bet
3: Ian McEwan
2: doesn't get this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Well, that's what we'll call a podcast then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay PayPal you. you <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you, Dave Watson. Thank you, Fergus. Thank you, Paul dolan Thank you, Fergus. Thank you to you, the Newcastle NASA listener. Goodbye.
0: If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.